everybody. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and when I'm not outside riding, running, hiking, or whatevering, I'm probably inside writing about it. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and an endurance coach, and you are here on the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we talk to all different types of people who do all different types of movements and try and pull back some, some takeaways that we can use in our own lives. I'm going to start adding like spelunking or just like really random activities to my first intro, I think. I suppose. I guess it could just, depend on the week. Yeah, really throw Are people Are you sure off. you want to go into caves? Tap dancing? I don't know. <laughs> I've been reading a lot about cave diving recently. I don't know why. I am a little worried because that is not a consummate athlete activity well, that I, I... I think that was on a past episode I was referencing. Or was that an article I wrote? I think it was more an article I wrote, but the rule of thirds is like... I don't know if I'm doing that or that's just like coming up in other stuff as much, but I definitely used it. Like uh, the photography rule of thirds? What is the photography rule of thirds? Well, you have oh, like the image you break it in? It. Yeah. Is it up and down? I think it's either way. Oh, that's a completely different tangent off the tangent. Um, okay, what's your tangent? So in the rule of thirds, you go deep into it, like cave diving super sketchy. So you're going to, like this is the people, the one article I read was about the, uh, the soccer team in... Thailand? Thailand. Uh, and they were stuck in a deep, deep cave. So it was like crazy, like setting records, so to speak, of how deep and how far in they were going and how risky it was. But you basically are diving into a thing and like following this small rope and you can't see. And there's like, it sounds horrible. So the rule of thirds is that you use one third to get to as far as you're going to go, hopefully to the, the kids, I guess you're saving. And then one third to get back. And then there's the one third in, in case stuff goes wrong. Um, so I feel I, like that's a really good one for ride fuel, personally. Sure. I mean, I, that's why I've been using it. Is like it, it. When you think about it, it's like this idea of having a reserve in all things, right? So today we're talking a bit about sleep and um, training, you know, load. So there's just a lot of ways where maybe it's not one third, one third, one third. But I think in the way that the 80-20 has been popularized, like I'm predicting that this like rule of thirds is going to just be big. So I'm saying it. Okay, so Peter Glassford said it first. So I'll have to say splunk, spurlunking. Spelunking. So you're going to actually go like that's more like walking and like crawling through caves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe not quite as risky, but... Also terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the claustrophobia, like go, squeezing through things, I'm not great with. We uh, we had a creek behind my house growing up that had... Um... <laughs> I was picturing <laughs> like a sound, like a door. A creek, yeah. <laughs> Where I used to live, it was like a creek. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a tiny little river thing that I guess at some point when they were building the train tracks that were also behind my house, they left this giant um, concrete pipe like in the creek that the creek ran through. It was maybe 50 feet long. And on the topic of spelunking, I remember going through that. And like, I think from the time we were, you know, seven years old, we'd get up to it and, you know, we'd be walking through the creek and, you know, knee deep water. And then we'd get there and be like, oh, we can't go any further. Um, and I think by the time we were 12, we started like getting a few feet in. And by the time we were 13, we were going in with flashlights and it was terrifying. Um, there were snakes and there were spiders and I don't care for it at all. So maybe not spelunking. Right. Right. <laughs> so there you go. Okay. Uh, what else is going on in the world? Uh, well, the Leadville lottery just happened. So right. sounds like you're you're hearing from a lot of people who are. Yeah, I guess they had up. a big mix up. Um, they like accidentally like it, the lottery works. Basically, lots of people want to go. So but not everyone can go. So they let some people in usually via lottery system. Uh, so they did that. 
and then sent some sorry you're not coming this year letters but then charged people from what i understand who had been told they weren't going still had to pay to race in the race they weren't allowed to go to so you can see people would be a little grumpy about that so i guess rather than just refunding and apologizing they said you can come and i'm not i haven't read much about it and heard what the strategy is to deal with more people but that's the situation so there's like a lot of people are going i mean that sounds great considering i guess for for me i guess hopefully it'll be good yeah Yeah. this is great yeah so i mean already we're like the that i had you know Every year we do little sort of group rides and every year these have been building. So it sounds like some of our like big Leadville group rides and certainly Dirty Kansas sort of related uh, should be good this year. So I'm excited for that. And so two things here. One is just going to give you a little bit of Peter's Palmares is he's actually the Canadian Leadville record holder. Um, he's had really good results there in the past. And yeah. the second point would just be you also just put out a six months to Leadville training plan. Well, this year's. Yeah, I've been doing this now for, I guess, 10 years, um, pretty much making Leadville plans and people have done well. So we've been trying to the nice thing about these plans I like is, you know, every year I sort of learn a bit more and what seems to work and different types of variations on workouts and stuff and what, you know even clients have sort of invented some of these stuff and varied stuff, right? So we've tried to put that in. And then also there's, I think that the, the selling point with my plans is that there's also a lot of the, 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 the important stuff with these big races is often less the, the fitness. You're going to be as fit as you're going to be. Right. But it's so much preparation and what I call gameplay where, you know, what bike are you using? What gear are you using? What pack are you using? What fueling is not going to make your tummy get upset? And then like, how do you deal with the altitude? And so a lot of these concepts are sort of like sprinkled through the plan. Like, Hey, did you remember to book your accommodation? And you've got a whole lot of like race week specific stuff that, you know, again, having had so many yeah. people go through Leadville and, you know, you kind of now know all of Yeah. Like recommended travel days and, you know, how not to stress if you can't use the recommended travel days and, um, you know, we're all normal people, right? So like most people just are not going, you know, weeks in advance for altitude. So, you know, it's okay. But, you know, the, the reminders to just take it easy race week. But again, for me, I think it's more the, the six months this is a six month plan. Um, and, and it's just, you know, taking you through a bunch of stuff that that race day is just not going to be that big of, it's a big day on the bike, but you know, you've been away from work and family and all that stuff for probably a week ahead of time. So you're peaking the working person's peak. Uh, and that's what we're trying to get to, right. But you're trying to be in a situation where that bike and that gear and stuff is. So that's the plan. Yeah. So we'll throw a link for that in the show notes. Starts early March. So yeah. So you can head over to smartathlete.ca to look at that or... Yeah, and you can you can apply it, buy it anytime, but it's, yeah, March. Yeah, all right. And I should say, yeah, there's a bunch of plans there, but the, the Leadville one's the noteworthy one, I guess, right now. Yeah, so let's uh, let's get into this week's Q&A. We had Some a good couple ones. really yeah. good ones. Yeah, so the first question, actually, we had two questions on this. We had one as to how to train with a cold or, you know, with the flu or anything like that. Um, in terms of, you know, been off for a couple days and sort of coming back and how to know when to come back. And then the other one was actually uh, being off for the past month with the flu um, and sort of starting to get really stressed about not training and how that looks. So there's sort of two, there's two questions here. Um, The one is a little bit less dire, we'll say, and the other one is a little bit more, oh boy, this has been going on for a while. Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, do you want to start with like what to do if you're kind of short-term suffering? 
Yeah, I mean, most it's not irregular to get colds. I think, you know, we always want to look at if you're getting frequent colds, why is that, right? Like, I think sometimes what you'll see is there's something in the training or the lifestyle that's not balancing, right? And it's sort of predisposing you to that. But I mean, if you work in hospitals and schools or you have kids, then, you know, you just are going to get sick more often. And that's sort of the way it is. Um, so just trying to mitigate that, you know, with ahead of time before we get sick with washing your hands, making sure you're sleeping enough. You know, we know if I think it's less than six hours, uh, I'll put a link to this, but I think it's less than six hours of sleep a night. You're like four and a half times less, oh, less than five hours. You're four and a half times more likely to have a cold than those who slept more than seven. Um, so, I mean, all that's to say is just like, you know, make sure you're sleeping and doing the best you can with that. If you're not sick yet, try to avoid getting sick. I'm really big on the frequent hand washing, especially if you're in those higher risk things. And again, you're not going to get it all. It's going to happen. And then I think the, the training thing, right? This is where that high intensity and how many hours do we need to do in a week gets a little more complicated than just a simple, like, let's look at a bunch of elite athletes and, you know, argue on Twitter or something. It's, you know, we have these people that, again, they have kids and family and they work in a hospital and the kids are at the thing. And it's just like there is this is high risk, high stress in a lot of ways. Right. So we just can only push our bodies so much. And that's where, you know, we are the, the time limited athletes where the optimal dose is just not that high. Right. So you don't have to train that much. And when we're thinking long term, that's a big part of it. So in any case, now that you're sick, you want to reflect on, was there something in this last month I could have tweaked, right? And then that's start, start now, right? So start establishing a, you know, your hand washing protocol and reflecting on what you could do different and training as you ease back. So you are sick. Usually colds last, you know, it's not irregular sort of two days, but it can go up to, I think it's like two to 10 days is sort of standard two to seven days, but it, it's not, it can happen where it's like three weeks too. And that's sort of the way. So in both cases, both questions we have there, it's, it may be okay. Even the long one, if it's three weeks, like, okay. But if it's starting to dip over, I would certainly be going and getting checked out by the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I come back to the, the minimum effective dose as far as training goes. So yeah, I guess to your question. Yeah. Right. right. Like kind of right off the bat, like when you have a cold, um, like you're you, feeling the you're, symptoms. If you're feeling symptoms, but you still feel okay enough to train, I think your maximum should be your minimum, uh, if that makes sense. Like the most you should be doing when you have any kind of cold or, I mean, especially flu, is your minimum effective dose, which, you know, for most of us is, you know, a short spin on the trainer or a walk or, you know, just something that'll kind of maintain us like a minimal level of fitness. Sure. Yeah. Um, without kind of driving you a little batty being stuck in the house, not doing anything. Cause I know for a lot of people, it's really hard being fully off. Well, in a day or two, isn't generally a big deal, but yeah, the consistency, like, have you done a little bit of something is, is worth maintaining, right? And what we're banking on is that if we don't go in like, okay, I have intervals planned today, but I'm starting to feel a tickle in my throat. The gamble is if I skip those and keep the intensity lower where again, there isn't the immune effect. Does that give me the rest of the week? I'm good. Good to go. Exactly. Yeah. Or do I put myself in a hole and now I've missed weeks. Right. right. And, and that's again, when we're reflecting on, you know, the three week versus the, like, I'm just 
got a tickle in my throat or it's a, above the neck is what you're going to hear most of the time and see in most articles. I'll link to a few articles I've written uh, and that I think are sort of just a good summary. Uh, but that's what you'll generally see. If the symptoms are above the next, so you have a bit of a stuffy nose, you know, maybe just a tickle in your throat, but energy is really good. You're not feeling, you know, really sore. Um, what other symptoms like flu like symptoms, obviously, um, you know, sleep disruption, these type of things. If it's above the neck, then generally they say train, but I would add the caveat that like, I would just, as Molly says, maybe keep it on the minimum of the range or, you know, just scale it back a bit. Right. Yeah. Even if that just means like, you know, you do the interval workout, but you're going for the lower end of the intervals, right? You're not like pushing it to your a hundred percent. You're staying on that 90%. Right. Right. And the, we've talked about HRV a couple times in the past. Um, and we have Marco Altini, the guy who made the HRV for training app coming on in a episode in the next couple of weeks too. Okay, perfect. And so in that you might get an HRV reading, maybe it's off, maybe it's not. But again, if we're reflecting in that app, they have subjective measures. So again, the motivation, the soreness, the fatigue, um, you know, if any of those are starting to like get disrupted, that's where I really like both the HRV and the subjective measures is we're going, okay, I have a tickle in my throat and I didn't sleep great. Like some of these subjective measures are off. Then it's like, okay, just go in and do 50% of the workout. And you can decide really, like, I think it, it could be half the intervals or half the intensity or half the duration, just scale it back. Right. And, and just give it a day. And tomorrow, what we're trying to do is like, okay, that's today. It's just a day. It doesn't matter. You did something. Try and not make it worse. If tomorrow you're worse then I would go off day in, in any case. And then the next day, are you better or worse? Okay. I'm feeling a little better. Okay. Then I would go like easy spin. And then next day, are you better or worse? Worse? Okay. Well then I would take another off day. Right. And I think you just keep going easy spin. How am I the next day? Easy spin. And just reflecting that way. Right. And I think Every day, even if I had a cold or even the flu, honestly, I'd try and get, you know, a bit of sun, you know, try and hunt that out as best you can. And Well, even the fresh air, right? Like, yeah, I exactly. Mean, it's get... a little rough when it's negative 10 and that's your fresh air. Sure, <laughs> sure. But I mean, you might maybe have access to something, um, you know, health, even just like a fitness club, right? Or something. Um, yeah, I don't know. Think, going, getting outside, I think, is, is good. Moving a little, you mm -hmm. know, a little bit of core yoga type thing. Well, that's actually what I was going to say is, to me, I actually try to look at this as a bit of an opportunity. Like, this is a great chance to, you know, do the yoga that you keep saying you're going to do, but you haven't been doing. Um, I guess It's tough sometimes when you have the stuffy nose, but yeah. Okay, yeah. I like think you can roll around a little bit. This yeah. is not the week for inversions. <laughs> That's okay. Understood. Yeah. Um, but there's tons of other like gentle yoga you can do. This is a good chance to try a meditation app. There's even like chair yoga. and Yeah. Yeah. Like try meditation for a change. Um, honestly, like let's let's get a head start on spring cleaning. Like clean out your gear closet. You know, give your bike a little bit of extra TLC. Like, you know, actually use the downtime to do something productive. Like meal prep some some chicken soup there. Make make some stock. Yeah. Uh, try and bank sleep with just even yeah. a, a nap if you can. If you have like that training time or or something too. So yeah. I know that's kind of an irritating answer because you know you you want to be getting out and training. But you know what? If you can do some of this stuff that you don't normally do, like maybe you find that meditation or that chair yoga or you know even the foam rolling that you've been neglecting that that actually really helps you going forward. Yeah. I think to the reflection back on, you know, was there 
something in my training? Like, was I doing something, you know, did I binge a little bit as far as, you know, lots of intervals or just, you know, I did a bunch of four hour rides and I've never, you know, I've been doing only hour rides and then come out and do a bunch of four hour rides. You know, it just, that's a big increase. And when we start increasing volume or the intensity like that, then it's going to like, there's immune depression. Right. And the thing is, again, if we're in these high stress, high risk for colds, uh, environments, then that's going to be tricky. Right. But I, I like, uh, I had the quote, but, uh, both Dr. Bubs, who's been on the podcast, uh, and then Phil Maffetone, who has not been on the podcast, you know, they, they reflect a lot on, you know, there's sometimes with these colds, it's like this imbalance in, in health versus fitness. Right. And it's making sure that when we're, we're training that we're not going so deep on stuff that again, we're ending up sacrificing too much health, mm-hmm. um, especially when we're not elite athletes. Right. Yeah, and I think that's a trap a lot of us fall into is chasing this, yeah, kind of semi-elite or trying to, even as a, you know, a master's level elite, we'll say, Mm -hmm. um, chasing that instead of kind of remembering that ultimately, you know, we want to be the consummate athletes at 60 or 70 or 80 and have this lifelong health versus one-year fitness. Right, and if we come back to just those tenets of training, right, which I need to remember to start questions with this, but you know, we have things like consistency, frequency, volume, intensity, um, you know, gradual progression, these sort of like tenants of like, what is a training plan? What is proper training? And if anything affects consistency, then we need to be careful, right? So if we did a block of high intensity and got sick, you know, if we did those fun, like super smash fest, group rides, Swift rides, and then got sick, we need to reflect on how does this affect my long-term versus like, what if I only did, you know, a bunch of 30 minute rides and, you know, a couple short runs, a little bit of gym. And then on the weekend, you know, I just 90 minutes to three hours type thing. Right. People always joke. Cause that's, I'm always on this 90 minutes to three hours thing. And it's just, if I feel good, I do three. And if I, you know, if it's just a day, then I just aim for 90 and it's, and I have to say like most people say that and lie and always go three, like, Rarely would a person say, I ride 90 to three hours and actually does 90, but Peter legitimately will come back in 90 minutes. Yeah. No, I just, I don't know. I guess I've just told myself and it's like placebo effect, but yeah, I don't know. I find 90 minutes is just a good, like when we're talking endurance duration, right? It's for a lot of us, that's a solid 90 minute ride. And I mean, I usually don't do a lot of fueling, which is a side topic, but you know, it's, it, I don't ride so hard usually in my endurance rides that I need a ton and come back and, you know, it fits nicely between meals or whatever. So all that's to say, I don't think most of us need to do as much as we think we need to do to get an, what we're calling the optimal dose or minimum effective dose. Yeah. Um, and then I think just the, the side note on the end of that question about getting stressed because this person hasn't been able to train for a month oh. with the flu is I mean, honestly, like it sounds super cliche when I say it, but try not to stress on it. Like fitness can come back. A month is not the end of the world. Um, And, you know, the more you stress on it, honestly, like the harder that is on your body. Strikes me a bit like an investment, right? Like we're worried about like, oh, retirement's coming. You know, these are adult conversations you and I may have had in the recent. uh, and, And it's sometimes we just need to like look at the thing and it's like, okay, well, it's maybe January or February, wherever you are in the world right now, and just try and map out. Like, again, maybe you don't even have a training program. So maybe that's something you could do. You could sit down with someone, or if you're, you know, you have a Joe Friel book, you could open it up and map out your season and give yourself a big, 
you know, big run in like six months to like an actual race you want to like care about um, and just gradually progress yourself back in. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it doesn't take long. The first two weeks, you're a little like they're, I always say those are the best weeks because the training's basically free. Anything you do, you get better. Um, and then, you know, you'll find your groove and it'll feel better after a while. And, you know, away you go and you can just keep progressing. Right. Um, but I think that's, that's the lesson, right. Is we want to make sure that we're progressing back, but definitely if like it's been going on for four weeks and you're starting like it's flu body symptoms, like I would go and get, just make sure you get blood work, whatever done with the doctor. Definitely. All right, cool. Let's, uh, let's move on to the next one. Um, pretty broad question here, how to sleep better. Uh, so the first thing I'll say is get our seven day healthy kickstart, uh, habits email. You can find that over on consummateathlete.com. Uh, one of the days on there is kind of all about sleep and some of the normal or, you know, common problems that people have and how to sleep hygiene. Yeah. Get past those. Um, so that's, that's tip number one (laughs) for those of you who haven't gotten that yet. Um, but really this is such an interesting one because I feel like whenever someone is asking, how do I sleep better? That usually indicates that they're stressing about sleep, which paradoxically can make us sleep a lot worse. I mean, everyone's had that, right? Like the 2 a.m. wake up where you're like, okay, I got to get back to sleep because I need to wake up for 6 a.m. because I have a lot of stuff to do tomorrow. And the more you think about, I need to get back to sleep, the harder it is to get back to sleep. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the analogy that was in, um, it was in one of the books I was reading recently and I'm blanking on the title. A um, little black book of training? Training wisdom, yeah. And it's Dan Cleaver. It's Cleaver? Don't quote me on that. I'm sorry, Dan. Um, but yeah, the little black book of training wisdom. T- tremendous book. Like, I think it's basically the book I would write if I could. Um, Daniel Cleaver is the bad guy in Bridget Jones' diary. Well, now I need to look at it. But, <laughs> um, all that to say, uh, he had another term for the, like, elephant in the room. And it must be, like, a UK. Like, it was, like, the what was it like the pink don't think about the pink bear or like the white bear the white bear the polar bear or something like that yeah i don't know anyhow the idea is that like if i tell you not to think about something um you'll think about it right it's you can't not think about it and i think the the normal thing is the pink elephant in the room or the elephant and not the elephant in the room right but don't think about a pink elephant or something yeah don't think about pink elephants right so with sleep this is the elephant in the room and this is where people get in trouble with sleep trackers and stuff. Like there's certainly some uses for them, some efficacy to them. Sure. Uh, but for a lot of people, you know, looking at a sleep tracker that says you slept like absolute crap uh, can almost be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not really controllable, right? Like it's one of those things like a, so, many, so often we set goals for ourselves that are not super like there's no action like directly that you can take. So I think the better strategy is to look at some of these like easy sleep hygiene things that like are pretty like check marky. Basically control the controllables around sleep. Right. And so there would be things like, you know, is the temperature in the house too hot? Like this is very common that we crank the temperature up in our climate controlled areas, but we, you know, it, it should be like chilly. I believe like 60 degrees is the like optimal for sleep. And I think it varies a bit, like probably male to female and even just person to person, right? Um, but yeah, trying to get cool, the, the house cooled down. I think a lot of times you'll see the, the master's athlete training after work, you know, and they're all heated up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so trying that might be like a cold shower, you know, even an ice pack, especially in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm big on like just sitting with an ice pack, like not necessarily like icing my knee, but just like in your wrist, like basically using like a cooling strategy, right? I was just reviewing Stacy Sims uh, book, uh, Roar, uh, sort of on all things female uh, physiology and female sport. And she seems to be really big on cooling um, just because, especially as for women, but especially women as they get older, their their cooling mechanisms are, are not as good, right, physiologically. Mm-hmm. So she's big on post-workout cooling and cooling before, like pre-cooling strategies, cooling during. Um, so I think for a lot of us that getting cool is going to be a big thing. Yeah, I will say, so thankfully my mom doesn't listen to the podcast or she'd murder me for saying it, but I recently got her peppermint essential oil and she's been putting it on even just like a scarf that she wears at school. And she said that helped a ton with cooling. Like that essential oil does have like a cooling effect on the right. like nervous system, basically. So you could try that. Sure, there's lots of things like even scents or the absence thereof. Um, like it might be something in the house that's, you know, too much scent mm-hmm. uh, could be irritating, but then maybe there's something that is, is soothing the aromatherapy stuff. What's the peppermint doesn't strike me as the one people normally do to like sleep. No, sleep would be more like a lavender or something. Yeah, like there you that. go. So lavender. So, and then I think there's like the things like alcohol. I've said before, like there's just so many of these low hanging fruits uh, as far as like all the common like goals that people say, I want to sleep better. I want to lose five pounds. But there's things like alcohol that are there, you know, often in excess of even what could possibly be acceptable. You know, we're getting up into two and three drinks way too close to bed, Um, you know. And so I think looking, you know, not easy to remove, but things that we can certainly remove and see sleep improve. Um, And then just making sure the meal like that evening meal ideally isn't too late. Um, if you are someone who's training at night, you may have to look at modifying the intensity of that nighttime workout, maybe the duration, or just you're going to have to try not, right? You might notice this is where journaling some reflection. It might be that that late training disrupts your sleep. It may be that it's great for your sleep. Yeah, I was I was recently interviewing Gal Gadot, who many of you might know as Wonder Woman. I just <laughs> wanted to throw that in because I'm so excited about it. Okay. Uh, and she was talking about she's a morning person and does her workouts early in the day. And one thing she said was she was just like, I can't even imagine working out later in the day or at night or I would never sleep. Sure. Direct sure. quote from Wonder Woman, guys. Just putting it and, out And there. I think working out is a big bucket too, right? Like I think if we were going to you know, maybe aerobic training's okay, or maybe like some strength training, but maybe like high intensity, right? Where like, again, you're heating yourself up and the central nervous system uh, is just going to get so spun, right? So like a maximal heavy deadlift or a set of super intense intervals may have a different effect than like a low intensity aerobic session. Anything where you're like shouting. <laughs> yeah, if, if Rage <laughs> Against the Machine is on screaming about like, what does Rage Against the Machine I used to only listen to this um, when I was coached by Steve Neal. We'd do testing fairly frequently. <laughs> we would always play Rage Against the Machine, and now I like can't hear Rage Against the Machine without just like your heart rate just slamming something and like attacking. Uh, so I try and reserve that for once a year. But uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you need to play the music really loud or you're grunting at any point in time, so in that again, it might be too much. Music sort of leads us into things like the TV. Um, I mean, we all watch Netflix and everything else, but I'm big on like 
there's uh, screen blockers and stuff. If you're on your laptop, like most people are now, uh, you can use Flux or there's like different shifting things built into the iPhone and Windows now uh, to change the blue light. But you can also get blue locking glasses uh, that may help. And just dimming as many lights as you can. Again, trying to shut things down. Yeah, and I'm going to throw out like it's annoying, but honestly not watching TV in bed. Like, you know, we we watch Netflix at night. It's not like we never watch TV or anything, but we sit on the couch when we're watching TV. And then when we go to bed, it's reading. Like, that's the only option. Yeah, and we use Flux on it. And I do think that that helps. Um, I think the, the blue blocking glasses, I swear, are like, it's like that effect. Like, I feel like I'm at like a campfire mm-hmm. um, camping. You know how you just like, you sleep so well camping you sleep so well camping i wake up thinking there are bears yeah but it's just like there's nothing to do and you like just go to like you think it's so late but it's like it's like six or seven and you just like go to sleep right and then you wake up with the sun and you probably didn't sleep that much and maybe it's uncomfortable but like i don't know camping is really good for that right there's a bunch of studies that just going camping and eating generally well while you're out in nature and walking a lot of the day and sleeping outside with the like it cures so many different things now like there's been so much of this sort of like exposure to nature maybe combined with a dietary intervention just like whether it's you know blood sugars and cholesterol and blood pressure um but so that could be another thing is just think about like times you have slept well in your life vacation and see can we like use any of that intel and pull that back Mm -hmm. Um, but all that so we're talking dim lights we're talking cool we're talking oh i was going to mention i i'm big on especially if you're a traveling athlete someone who's going to things i do think it's worth getting used to using earplugs and eye shades um just so that that's part of your routine so that then when you go somewhere else you have to sleep on a couch you have to sleep in a hotel room with someone who snores you're not like oh i put my earplugs in it's like i can't sleep with earplugs they're annoying and i will say this is actually where you and i like do differ because i don't use them and i do find when we're traveling and you know right now we're in an apartment where there's some loud people downstairs and you're snoring away with your earplugs and your sleep mask on i'm getting woken up every hour because i hate having earplugs in and i can't wear a nightshade um and you know like lights are going on and it's it's a little bit hectic so my sleep is definitely impacted and it would be really nice if I was more adapted to that. So maybe that's my 2020 goal. But yeah, it does make a huge difference. Yeah, to me, it's almost like that effect of like eye shade goes on and you're like getting this additional, like I've brushed my teeth. You know, there's just this like routine where it's like setting your body and your brain into this like, and the next step is sleep, right? Yeah. And there's days, some days, you know, I've looked at the wrong thing ahead of time and I'm, I get like, you know, brain goes crazy. Um, but that's... So on that note too, though, I think the other thing you can do is have like a notepad next to the bed. I know everyone says like, don't sleep with your phone in the room. And I think that's a great idea, but I also get really stressed if I wake up and think of something and I can't write it down. So right. having a notebook and a pen next to the bed that you can, you know, jot a note down, I think can be really helpful for and I think anyone. we talked a bit about this maybe on the New Year's episode. I think so. But yeah, I, as part of my routine, I like to have some nights I don't have much to, to say to myself in my journal, but um, a lot of what I do journal about is, you know, these are the to do's for tomorrow and like this is when I'm going to deal with them or this is what I'm going to do about this or this is something I'm concerned about and try and I, 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 I really like the idea of like it's a, th- a to do, but there's also maybe a bit of an action or a time that I'm going to deal with it because I think a lot of what we're stewing about is 
oh, I'm stressed about this and I don't know what to do. These are some things I'm going to do. Maybe I should do this. Maybe if I do this and just try and think a bit about like tomorrow morning, I will address this concern. And I think sometimes just knowing like it will get addressed in the future, but like I have to sleep right now and I can't like, I can't phone this person right now. Right. If that's the concern. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, I think uh, that's about it. I think the only thing is like tracking, we talked about tracking, but I think tracking the, the time you're in bed or controlling that at least. Right. So have a bedtime, get in bed, uh, and just try and make that, you know, a, a consistent time too. not, mm-hmm. not really varying much weekend to weekday ideally. Yeah. Especially if you struggle with sleep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, next final question. Um, and I will say we're going to get an expert on to talk about this, but someone was asking us a little bit about, you know, how to kind of balance being environmentally responsible, you know, going for a more sustainable lifestyle, but also still being a racer. And, you know, this is really hard because we automatically think, oh, you know, bike riding or running or hiking, like, obviously these are good for the environment, but that's, that's really not necessarily the case, especially when you're flying to races and you're driving to trailheads and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and, you know, just buying a ton of gear all the time. So we sort of went through a little bit of back and forth thinking through some ideas on how to be a little bit more sustainable as a racer. Um, but like I said, we're going to have someone come on and talk about this. Yes. Well, maybe we have a couple, but we do have one in the bank uh, as far as looking at the idea of plastics and different waste and stuff, uh, which I'm really excited about. Uh, and that's coming up. Uh, but yeah, I th- we, we had a question like this maybe in year one of the podcast. And, and I don't know that we have any better answers now, uh, but it strikes me that a lot of these things are, uh, you know, you sort of have to pick your poison, right? Like it's our pick your battles, I guess is a better analogy. You know, there's so many things. There's there's going to be a trade-off no matter what, right? If you've seen it now, there's this whole plant-based movement. And so it's like vegans versus people who eat a lot of meat or something. And, you know, it's it's tough. Like, you know, the, the plant-based beverages now are super processed and made in factories and stuff travels all around the world. But just speaking to racing though. <laughs> well, um, I'm just trying to paint this picture of like, yeah. okay, so it's not, you know, animal farming, um, you know, and there's supposed to be the carbon cost with like, you know, factory farms. But then there's like all these factories being built and everything's getting shipped around the world to make these processed beverages mm-hmm. from plant-based. But I mean, it's canola and soy in a field, you know, and there's a whole host of issues with that. And so not to say one side's right or wrong, but there's probably something in the middle but what the consumer does about that is is a more difficult question. Yeah. So thinking about racing, uh, the first thing that came to mind, you know, looking into this a little bit is just how local can you race? You know, maybe you don't need to travel every single month to a big race. Like if you're not a professional, you know, if, if this isn't your livelihood, um, how local can you stay? And I mean, most places you can find, you know, good racing within an hour or two of you pretty consistently throughout the season. Um, and then maybe pick, you know, one or two races that you travel to each year instead of this, I need to go somewhere every single month. Yeah. Do you think that that's a common thing with people going? I, I think so. Yeah. Or at least it's not uncommon at this point. Yeah. Or driving, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing with that is actually training local when possible. Um, you know, a lot of us, 
like let's be honest you know we drive to trailheads that are pretty far away and again you know totally fine like it's it's gonna happen and you know for some races you need to be training on certain trails um but when you can train local like i think that's that's a great option or when you are going somewhere i think picking up the the swedish art of plogging so picking up trash as you go so if you're right. you know riding or running on the trail and you see a gel wrapper actually picking it up it strikes me that that's you know that's my approach to dealing, I guess, with a lot of international issues. I don't want to keep making this into bigger things than you're trying to make it. But it, there's talking a talking mu- about what a person can do, Peter. <laughs> well, I mean, the problem is that this stuff scales so big so quickly. But I think we just can't control, you know, directly. You can't control like these world issues, right? But I think there's a Mother Teresa quote, something to the effect of like, you you know, you can you can keep your own doorstep clean. Um, you can keep your trails clean. Yeah. So, I mean, I think doing good in your community, right. And and trying to just make the choices you can make better. Right. And that could be riding to the trailhead. You know, it's, I see that all the time just as a training thing. Like it, it, it takes me probably by the time you get the bike loaded things in the car and now you have all these options in the car and what you're going to leave and what you're going to take off and remembering to lock the key and hide the key and get the bike off and back on, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's the difference in time for me is you know, it's probably a 10 minute drive each way. And then there's probably at least 10 minutes of setup and tear down if I do it right. But it's a 30 minute maybe ride to get there. So, and it's like, now I'm riding an extra hour just by going there, you know, and I've erased 10, so say 10, 20 minutes each way. Right. So it's really not that much different and you're saving gas. You're not, the risk of a car accident is lower. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of benefits to riding even outside of the the what are we talking about like the environment, environment the environment yeah, yeah. Um, the other the other thought i had is you know look uh you you know buying gear that's gonna last you a long time like we shouldn't really be throwing stuff out after one season of use especially like, in this like age of like amazon and everything shipping and like super cheap stuff um yeah you know there's oft often you know i've bought really nice booties over the years that have lasted like 10 plus years you know and maybe i've had to have my mother <laughs> repair them um, you know, our really good wool socks, again, they've been darned a little bit here and there, but you know, they've just been really good. They breathe really nicely. And again, I have socks 10 years. Yeah. And if you do want to buy new gear, because no judgment here, new gear is pretty awesome. Sometimes, uh, donating your old gear to actual people who are going to use it, whether that's just, you know, your friends or, you know, a local like youth group in your community, a local young team, etc. Um, trying to avoid throwing stuff out if it has any wear left in it or even putting it in a Goodwill bin because we know a lot of that stuff ends up just getting tossed anyway. Right. So. Right. And so we're sort of getting into the, the three R's in a lot of ways, right? Like you're sort yeah. of trying to, you know, a reduce, like, do I actually need this new thing? Um, you know, or is the packaging, is there some choice we can make around packaging that reduces this? Um, and then you're talking about like a reuse maybe. So it might be my darning of socks or it might be giving it to, you know, kids who need some gear. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, looking for races that have sustainability programs. Which in running seems big right it's now. It's getting really big, yeah. Um, I have a client doing a ski race and they're no cups and a couple different things they're running to try and like, they seem like 
a big push on it. Yeah. And even if your running event does have, you know, it, it isn't a cupless race, bringing your own cup, you can get them, you know, pretty inexpensively. Some races even give out a reusable cup now. I actually have one that I got at um, North Face's race last year that is now just in my pack. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. The whole thing is tough, right? Like it, it's, you know, some of these races in different areas in the world too, where there's water issues and stuff. It's, it's tough. I don't know. It's a tricky, tricky thing, right? Yeah. And then I think the last thing is just looking for opportunities outside of racing where you can kind of lower your carbon footprint. So if you're driving to bike races every couple of weekends, could you bike commute to work or bike commute part of the distance? Um, just that kind of, kind of out of the box thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, not, not a whole lot of amazing. I think, I think the upcoming episode, uh, with Usman Valiante, um, and he is sort of working on this concept of a circular economy where see we can do all these things on a, a user level but there's so much stuff that like even just our bikes and we talk about this in that episode or we will um where even some of this stuff just could be made in such a way that we could recycle it more or it w- wasn't packaged in such a way that there wasn't waste um, and this is a lot of the like bigger industry side of things. So I think the challenge we have or the, that we pose in that to, to the listener, I guess, as well as if someone's really keen on these ideas, there's definitely like race organizers not producing as much weight or going for this carbon neutrality or, um, you know, if you're in some sort of industry related to sport or otherwise, you know, what are some of these innovations and opportunities that are, are coming now that, you know, some of these incentives are shifting and the interest in the community and global warming and so forth are here. Yeah. I do think the small steps though are still totally valuable and valid. And I mean, frankly, any of the ones we just listed are really just positive lifestyle changes anyway. So. Well, a lot of them, again, like I, every time I ride somewhere and, or ride to the trails, right? Like, sure. Like it's environmental. I didn't drive my car, but like I'm training for another hour by doing that and just not spending money and we don't have two cars now um so sometimes i don't even have it's that or i don't get to mountain bike um so some of that is is good too so anyway (laughs) yeah i don't know if if any if there's a listener who maybe like this is their area like again we're very open i think we have you know we'll have you on so if anyone knows anyone or or is someone with you know keen ideas on environmental concepts why don't you uh, drop us a line at consummateathlete.com yes and also anyone else who has a suggestion for a guest or a topic or a question uh, hit us up consummateathlete.com at molly j herford at peter glassford Um, and if you enjoy this episode and this podcast in general please leave us a rating or review over in itunes we've decided at 300 reviews molly gets a dachshund so your reviews are really helping me get a dog. So that would be... Do you be, know, what are we at? I think we're... I, I actually don't know. Okay. We're under 300. Well, I was just trying to give so, people like a point A, point B, so they knew like, okay, my like contribution makes a difference, right? Your contribution makes a difference. Okay. Molly needs a dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, have a great week, and we will see you next time. <laughs>